Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Get Lifted with me, Lisa Snowden. Thank you so much for listening. So today's episode is all about sleep. Who doesn't love and need a good night's sleep? Sleep has been something that I've been quite obsessed with most of my life. And more recently with my hormones playing havoc, you know, those hot sweaty nights, tossing and turning, waking up on the hour, every hour, causing me not to sleep has made me become even more obsessed with getting sleep. So today we speak to three very different people. And hopefully by the end of this episode, we will pick up lots of tools, lots of tricks so that later tonight... We can start winding down, we can start applying some rituals, and we can start getting some much-needed sleep. I am going to be speaking to the sleep scientist, aka Dr. Sophie Bostock. I talk and I giggle and I build constructions while I'm asleep. While you're asleep. Oh, fun, you must be in bed, and I mean that in the nicest possible way. (laughs) Dr. Tara Swart neuroscientist and author of bestseller the source i'm obsessed with sleep are you yeah sleep is one of what i consider the five pillars of brain health and we're going to speak to jane ellis who is the founder of high times yoga and wellness she's a kundalini expert and a breakthrough coach from a yogic perspective we always meditate before bed we want to clean the mind Now, before we kick off this episode, I just want to reiterate that we discuss a whole range of topics on the show. It's important for you to understand that I'm not a trained professional and any advice that I give is purely my own opinion. Now, if you want to engage in any of the therapies, the services, anything that we discuss throughout the series or in this show today, just make sure that you always talk to a trained and accredited professional so they can tailor their service to your particular health and medical needs. It's really important that you bear that in mind and that you speak to your GP or your doctor before you change anything. But I do want you to enjoy this episode. Right, let's get lifted. How are you doing? Thank you so much for doing this. You're so lovely. It's total pleasure. Thank you for asking. Okay, so let's kick off then. So... Dr. Sophie Bostock, aka the sleep scientist. I'm very excited to talk to you today. Um, You're going to be a little lifesaver for us. I know you are. I do hope so. You are because sleep is so important. It rules our world, doesn't it? And it's like when you wake up and you haven't slept properly, it can totally mess up your day. Well, 
let's not read too much into sleep one of the big problems with sleep is that people worry about it too much yeah so yes I totally agree with you I will evangelize about sleep until the cows have come home <laughs> if you've woken up and you haven't had a good night's sleep it is not the end of the world yeah. we can overcome it uh, but we have to allow ourselves time we have to give ourselves permission to sleep and if we don't sleep well we've got to give ourselves a chance to recover I think that's really important I think that's important. And you're right, because you can either really dwell on it throughout the day and it can be like, oh, I didn't sleep well, I didn't sleep well, moan, 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 and blame it for everything. Or you can just be like, tonight, I will sleep better and just kind of do a Jedi mind trick on yourself to flip it around. Mindset is so important. You're absolutely right. And I'm sure we'll come on to this. But yeah. one of the surefire ways to give yourself a terrible night's sleep is to try and sleep really hard. So actually, if you just accept, if you let your body and your mind do its job and you just say, OK, I didn't sleep so well last night, but that means my brain is going to do a great job of compensating tonight. And I'll actually probably get an even deeper sleep result. Um, and then we all have these little kind of waves of better sleep, slightly worse sleep. Uh, so don't let those those down waves bring you down because actually there, there will be a, a positive wave coming your way. I love that. I love it. Okay, so Sophie, can I call you Sophie? Do I have to call you Dr. Oh, Sophie? You can, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Bostock. Um, okay, so let's go back to basics. So let's talk about why we sleep. I mean, that's a big question. I know, I know. We haven't got time to fit it all in, have we? Okay, let me scrap that. <laughs> in a nutshell, I think we sleep so that we can be awesome when we're awake. Mm. You know, we also sleep because we're programmed to sleep. We are hardwired to sleep. Every single little cell in our bodies is programmed so that every 24 hours, it anticipates that we're going to have a chance to recharge, repair, recover. Um, we have to have that time so that we can perform well during the day. Mm. So you cannot dodge sleep. And while you are sleeping, there is so much going on. You know, if you think kind of top to bottom, uh, it helps us to consolidate memories. It enables us to learn. It sort of frees up space in the brain to learn more stuff. Uh, we repair damaged cells, which is very important for prevention of illness. We remove toxins from the body. We can actually get physically stronger, you know, as our muscles are repairing themselves. Uh, we strengthen the immune system, rebalance our emotions, reset our appetite hormones, reduce blood pressure, reduce stress hormones. Oh, we help the gut microbiome, you know, whatever you can think of, sleep is going to give you a helping hand. Oh God, so we just so need it, hence the pressure that we put on ourselves every day, every night as we crawl into bed and lie there sometimes looking up at the ceiling. We'll get on to that in a minute. Um, so how long is the optimum sleep cycle, would you say? Okay, so again, try not to get too caught up in what is the right number. Yeah. The right number for you is the amount of sleep that means that you wake up feeling refreshed, nearly <laughs> without relying on an alarm clock. <laughs> I have an early email from you, so I, I, I don't know if you're a natural early bird or that's the alarm clock. <laughs> what time did I send the email to you? It was really early, wasn't 6:45. it? 
or 16, I'm not sure. Anyway, so you, if you wake up without an alarm, you feel refreshed, you don't lean on caffeine and sugar as a crutch to get you mm. through the day. You mm. actually manage to get through the day without kind of your eyelids feeling heavy and losing concentration. Um, and you don't feel the need to catch up at the weekends because you kind of just storing up a sleep debt. Yeah. You know, if, you, if you're living your life like that, then probably no matter how much sleep you're getting, chances are you're getting the right sort of amount now for most adults that's between seven and nine hours sleep each night okay but that's a biological characteristic which depends on lots of factors depends on genetics it depends on how well you slept the night before Mm. it depends on age so actually if you're over 65 it's probably closer to seven to eight hours that's your biological sleep need whereas if you're younger than 18 then you're going to be needing more than that average seven to nine hours sleep yeah there will always be people at extremes. So if you're thinking, I I don't feel I can function unless I've had nine and a half hours sleep, you might just fit at the higher end of that sort of bell-shaped curve. And there will be other people who actually seem to thrive on six hours sleep. Mm. They are quite unusual. We do know there is a a gene for short sleep, but fewer than 1% of us have that. So if you're kind of telling yourself that you'd like to learn to uh, be an optimal performer on six hours sleep, the bad news is that this is not something you can really learn. It's something that you're born with. Um, Actually finding out how much sleep you need for you is something that other people can't really tell you. That's, That's down to you. So you mentioned about catching up at the weekend. Is that is that a thing? Can you catch up? Because I thought that was a myth. I thought you had to have some kind of structure every day and at weekends you shouldn't you should still get up at the same time as you do in the week. Full marks. I mean, if you can design your sleep patterns, what you absolutely want is you want a sort of a similar amount of sleep every night so that you don't have to catch up. Yeah. But what we know, we know particularly from uh, objective data from wearables. We can actually follow people for millions of nights and we can see that an awful lot of people are compressing sleep during the week so Mm. that they build up what we call a sleep debt. So they're getting fewer than their personal required number of hours of sleep. And then come the weekend, they're trying to pay that back. So they sleep in for longer at the weekend's. So there are some advantages there. Yes, we're then a bit less tired because we're able to restore some of that kind of lost energy. But there are massive downsides as well. I mean, every night that you wake up after that compressed sleep, you're going to be feeling a little bit more grotty, a little bit more irritable, a little bit more forgetful, a bit more Mm. patient. So those are things that you can't pay back at the weekend because that time is gone. You know, you've experienced that sleep deprived day. But perhaps more importantly is the impact on your body clock. So I said earlier that we're hardwired, we're programmed to operate on this 24 hour rhythm. So when you move your sleep patterns around Mm. and whether that's uh, trying to sleep in at the weekend for perhaps three or four hours to catch up, 
it delays this 24-hour clock so that it's harder to sleep that night. But what's even worse is on Monday morning, your body's been delayed. (laughs) And so it's as if you're trying to wake up in the middle of the night when you set the alarm for 7 a.m. And that causes pressure on the body. It means your body clocks are out of sync with each Mm -hmm. other, with the sunlight, um, and it leads to that feeling, that kind of hangover Monday morning feeling. So the optimal pattern is to try and be consistent seven days a week, um, or at least not to move things around by more than about an hour every 24 hours. We could, we're pretty good at adjusting by about an hour from day to day. Oh my gosh. It's crazy because I did a breakfast show. So I did an early morning radio show for eight years and it was sleep was because I was getting up. So for the first year I was up at 3.15 in the morning and oh my God, that has such a huge impact on your body. Then for the following seven years, I was up at about 4.30. um, And I was still trying to have a bit of a life at the same time. So, you know, I do the breakfast show, really high energy, and then sort of go about my day, I'd be absolutely feeling like I was hungover and groggy and jet lagged by the afternoon, then I'd have a nap, then I'd wake up again, and I just feel like somebody had put like, a bottle of night nurse in some kind of drink and I was just groggy as hell. And that kind of went on, that balancing act, for eight years. Um, And then I was, like I said, trying to have a bit of a life. So sometimes I would go out and then I'd get in at one and then I'd get up again at four and it was so unhealthy for those eight years. And it was such a big topic of conversation because every time I went out, they're like, shouldn't you be in bed? What time do you get up? How how much do you sleep? And it's like sleep, 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 sleep. Did you find that harder as it went along? Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely. I really did. Yeah. Um, and it took me probably a couple of years to to rebuild myself because I just felt constantly jet lagged. I really did. There will definitely be people listening to this, perhaps they're night shift workers, yes. perhaps they're new parents and they go, ah, I, I can't stick to that pattern. It's yeah. just not viable. And I think I would reassure those people that, yes, that sort of challenging pattern is going to be stressful for your health Mm. and for your well-being and so a couple of things one is that for periods of time we must have been designed to be quite resilient to sleep loss because since the year dot we've been giving birth to babies that need a lot of care and babies are born Mm. without these circadian rhythms so they don't know that they're supposed to sleep at night and stay awake during the day. They actually have kind of two or three hour cycles of wake and sleep. So, of course, parents have to look after them. So yeah. definitely for periods of time, we're pretty resilient. But I think it does get harder the longer it goes on. And it gets harder as you get older. We know that as you get older, it's harder to adjust to night shift work, for example. And so it becomes increasingly important that if sleep is going to be potentially a challenge to your health, that you do look after yourself in other ways. And that means it's just so much more important that you do try and adopt a healthy diet and you do regularly exercise and do take pains to you know try and reduce and minimize stress so it's it's not that you should despair if your sleep patterns are all over the place but it becomes more important to look after yourself in other ways here here totally you've got to still go for that walk around the block and get some vitamin d and some sunlight even if you feel like that's the last thing in the world you want to do incorporate some fresh air and some exercise but yeah the shift work is hard on the system really really hard what about snoozing 
People always say if you snooze, you lose. What's the whole... What happens when the alarm goes off and you're just not ready to crawl out of bed and you just think, oh, I'll steal another 15 minutes or another snooze, another snooze? Is that re- is that counterproductive? It's pretty, it's pretty unhelpful in many ways. I mean, <laughs> you're not getting quality sleep. A lovely, deep, uninterrupted sleep involves a number of different sleep cycles. Uh, so we have four different stages of sleep and we mm-hmm. sleep through them about every hour and a half ish yeah so when the alarm goes off if you're unlucky it wakes you up from deep sleep or stage three sleep now if that happens you feel super groggy it doesn't really matter how much sleep you've had you're still going to feel what we call this sleep inertia where it's really hard to kind of drag yourself out of bed so be kind to yourself just accept that if you're feeling like that it's sleep inertia it will go away probably half an hour later you'll be feeling much more the thing okay uh, and you can help wake yourself up like wake the body clock up with exposure to bright light natural light and movement so i will say to anybody who really struggles to get out of bed if you have an alarm put it on the other side of the room yes or put it right near your curtains so that you can splash open the curtain lots of bright light as soon as you can tara you're a neuroscientist so can we talk about the brain and sleep Mm, i'm obsessed with sleep um are you yeah amazing so sleep is one of what i consider the five pillars of brain health and the others are exercise diet hydration and mindfulness um And with those five, I always say, how long would it take you to die if you didn't do one of these things? Like You can live without eating for a month as long as you're drinking water. Research where they repeatedly wake people up at certain times of the sleep cycle shows a massive disastrous effect on the brain in terms of memory and emotion and stuff. So I'm like a cat. I mean... I would consider sleep to be one of my superpowers. I can I could go and have a nap now. I, I love Damn sleeping. It. I love my bed. We have made our bed very, very nice, like with lovely bedding and a you know, good mattress and good pillows and things. And I think that really helps. I've actually um, recently experimented with a pillow that kind of encourages you, almost forces you to sleep on your side because that's the best position for flushing toxins out of your brain overnight. Is it really? Because I always thought we have to sleep on our back because of the wrinkles and the lines and the and the everything. I I just I sleep on my side. I'm curled up like a little fetus. Good. Um and you have a silk pillowcase, right? Well I do, but I don't always use them. I do. I mean I'm more bothered about my brain health than I am about wrinkles. Yeah, no, me too. Tell us, <laughs> which side do we are we supposed to sleep on in order to detoxify the brain? Well, primarily, we would sleep on our non-dominant side and have our dominant arm ready to defend ourselves. So for most people, you know, that's, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't, for the brain, either side is fine, but just not your back or your front. Um, obviously, quality is important. And that's where things like blackout blinds or eye masks or, you know, earplugs if you need them and good quality breathable bedding is important. Yeah. Um, Regularity of sleep and wake times has been really highlighted this year as equally important to the length. So within an hour, so like, you know, well, I know you wake up early. So let's say nine to ten, between nine and ten going to bed and between five and six waking up, for example. Yeah, that's me. That's me usually. I know. (laughs) Yeah, that is literally, you've literally just nailed it. (laughs) That's my husband as well, but we like have completely different sleep cycles. Um, yeah, I think those, those are the main things. Another, you know, another nice thing that you can do, which I used to do when I travelled a lot, was have a particular essential oil that anchored me to sleep time, so yes. that when I was jet lagged, I would use that smell to like give my brain another signal that this is sleep time. 
I do that. Pillow sprays. I use like a CBD oil from Balance Me, which I love on my pulse points. And it just, and I put it on my end of my nose as well. And it just signifies that, mm. tells my whole body that now's the time to sleep. Yeah. Both George and I do that. I, I really love those, those little rituals before bed. Okay, so Sophie, if you use sleeping aids to fall asleep, i.e. your sleeping pills, when you get to that stage where you just want to sleep and you don't care how you sleep, so whether it's, you know, a swigger night nurse or whatever it might be, is it fake sleep? Is your body getting what it needs to get or are you just being medically put under kind of thing? Okay, well, if we just look at the evidence. Yeah. Sleeping pills are the kind of things that you might be prescribed by a doctor. They don't tend to put you into a natural sleep. There's really natural sleep is a consequence of all of these other events that happen. And if we try and cheat that, if we try and accelerate it, then usually there is a downside. And mm. with sleeping pills, they tend to work as a sedative. So they're switching off our conscious awareness and our sensory perceptions. So we're not aware of what's going on. And to all intents and purposes, somebody looking at us goes, yep, yeah, they're definitely sleeping. But inside the brain, where all these restorative processes are happening, that's just been a little bit disrupted. It's not the same quality of sleep. So you'll often wake up feeling not quite as refreshed as you might have done if you'd had a natural sleep. The other thing that can happen is that sometimes they'll have a bit of a hangover effect. Mm. So you feel a little bit more groggy. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, because these uh, prescribed sleeping pills, they're drugs and we can build up a tolerance to them, which means that you have to keep taking more to have the same effect. Uh -huh. And some of them also have a dependence effect where when you then go, right, okay, I've, I've had it, I'm not going to use them anymore. One of the side effects is actually called rebound insomnia. So if you oh. suddenly stop taking them, it actually disrupts your sleep more. So if you are taking them and you're thinking, actually, I would I would like to stop, I'd like to go back to natural sleep, then it's really important to talk to your doctor and taper that amount down gradually. Okay. Okay. But, but even some of the things that you buy over the counter, which probably aren't particularly strong, uh, things like antihistamines, which are supposed to, again, help flip you into that stage of of unconsciousness like, yeah. they can still have what we call a, a psychological dependence so you start to convince yourself that you're only able to sleep when you have this thing you know our brains are brilliant at making these associations these shortcuts and again that causes us problems um, and long term we know that actually regularly taking sleeping pills is associated with quite harmful health outcomes so increased risks of falls and depression um, and even cancers so I don't want to scare people because that happens you know statistically to a small number of people who've been yeah. taking these things for a long time yeah. but there are much better ways to solve a sleep problem I think that's what I'd like to emphasize yeah. there's really good evidence that if you understand how your sleep naturally works, you can adapt your behavioral patterns during the day and the ways that you think about sleep so that you just let natural processes take over um, and, and that it's not as hard as you, as you might think. Oh. Darling Jane! <laughs> Satnam. Satnam, how are you feeling? I'm good, I'm really good. So Jane, I wanted to talk to you about some of your techniques for 
winding down and sleeping and how that can help us to start being able to switch off and really get some good rest or to charge up if we need to do it in the daytime or you know what you'd suggest Mm. yeah I mean sleep's essential right for us to feel human basically Mm. um all the basics, which, uh, you know, I'm sure you've covered and your scientists and your experts are really well informed, you know, like getting enough exercise, getting enough air in the day so that you can sleep well at night, you know, switching off the phone, not eating late, really important to not let your digestion interfere with your sleep. That's something that's totally revolutionary for me. I have an eight hour eating window and I prefer to use my energy for other things rather than digesting my food, which can use a lot of energy, right? But certainly from a yogic perspective, we we use different techniques to give us energy when we need energy and to help us to wind down. So something that's really simple that people can play around with and practice is if you want more energy, you breathe through your right nostril. Mm. so you block the left nostril I always get confused my left and right yeah and you just I mean I would set a timer because generally people don't want to do it for longer than 10 seconds but you really need to do this kind of practice for about three minutes so if you are tired and you have to go somewhere and you haven't set those boundaries um, you can just block the left nostril using your left index finger and set your timer for three minutes you can play music you can do what you like but breathe long and deep really take the energy in really take the energy out so in and out through your nostril through the right right nostril nostril only so the right nostril is for action energy for giving you energy for waking up the mind and what you'll probably notice if you are depleted energetically you're tired you'll probably notice that you don't breathe very well through that nostril that nostril will be a bit blocked okay now if you want to wind down your energy and you want to slow down the mind and switch off the mind it's the opposite. So you block the right nostril and you breathe in and out. Sorry, I'm doing this really close to the microphone. I'm sorry about all the splutters and the weird noises because I'm like, oh, actually, my left nostrils are actually really blocked. Yeah. It's a squeaking. Yeah, so you, so do you see how one side is more blocked yeah. than the other? They actually respond to different nerve states and different states of mind. One activates the logical brain and the action brain and the other activates the creative emotional brain, okay? Oh my God, that's chilling me out. That's chilling me out, Jane, straight away, the left one. When I close the right and just breathe through my left, totally I start feeling like a little bit like, ooh, Exactly, right? So if you want to close down your mind and you want to relax... You want to breathe through the left nostril, in and out. Three minutes as a minimum, guys. Otherwise, if you do five and you stop, you're you're going to say it doesn't work. Well, no, it won't work for just five breaths. Do three minutes. Three minutes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So there are two ways you can pick up your energy, slow down your energy, right? From a yogic perspective, we always meditate before bed. We want to clean the mind. So if you don't start to work out ways to just release what's going on in your mind, however you find it, you know, whichever practice you pick up. And again, that can be very simple. It can be box breathing, you know, inhaling for the count of four, holding for the count of four, exhaling for the count of four. But again, set your timer. If you don't want to set a timer, play some music. Because the mind will always say to you, you can't do this for some reason. It will say, you're uncomfortable, you're hungry, you need a drink, you haven't got time for this. Because 
it doesn't want you, the ego doesn't want you to change your habits because it likes habits. It likes patterns. It likes to run things on automated patterns and habits. That's how our mind works, okay? Mm -hmm. So when you try and break free, it can put up a lot of resistance. So try to pick up a practice and try to practice it at least for five nights consistently. It is a little bit about a bit of commitment, okay? Even if it's only three minutes every night to release the mind, to let the stillness set in before you try and sleep at night. Can you do meditation in the bath? Can you multitask? Yeah, you can meditate in the bath. I was going to talk about the bath, actually, because I find the bath is a lovely place to unwind. You know, you light your candles, you feel supported in the water, and, you know, it's great, especially if you are um, a water sign as well, you're like the bath. So, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And, you know, this is what these techniques are all about. We've mentioned the box breath. You could do that. You could do some left nostril breathing in the bath. Absolutely. You want to get yourself into that state of, we call it the alpha state, okay, when the brain waves have slowed down. Yeah. Okay, because our brain waves are going at this crazy frenetic speed. We want to slow down uh, and get into that alpha state. Yeah. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Sophie, can you help us? Can you give us some tips? Can you do it now? It's so simple. You know, we've already talked about waking up at the same time every day. Yeah. Because that gets your body clocks ready. Once you start the clock on the day at the same time every day, then kind of 16, 17 hours later, you start to naturally feel tired. Mm -hmm. And what happens if you wake up at the same time is that at the same time in the evening, about an hour and a half before you get into bed, your body starts to produce melatonin, the hormone that helps to signal that sleep is coming. Mm-hmm. And you can mess with that a little bit if you have really bright lights at home. So it's really important to just sort of dim the lights, have a bit less uh, exposure to light in that last hour and a half before bed. But the other way that you can really mess with that natural sleep process is by being very stressed or anxious about sleep. So 
again, perhaps thinking about the pandemic and the fact that lots of us were, for the first time in this context that we had no mental map for, nobody knew what was going to happen. We were in a situation that was totally outside our control. It was very new and unpredictable. And those things, for most human beings, the natural response is to produce stress hormones because we get afraid. We Our fight or flight stress response gets evoked. And even if you didn't really recognise that you were stressed, yeah. it could still happen. It happened to me. I kept waking up in the early hours of the morning. I was like, what's yeah. going on? I'm a great sleeper. <laughs> Three, four o'clock in the morning. And I had to sort of sit there and think to myself, well, okay, we are in a global pandemic, so, if, you yeah. know, it's pretty natural. Give this yourself is, a break. Give yourself a break. This is your natural survival instinct kicking in. And what we yeah. know is that if you have more cortisol, a stress hormone in your system, then it helps to edge you out of deep sleep. Because from a survival perspective, your brain wants to be able to get up and going at a moment's notice if you're yeah. on a threat. So stress means it's harder to fall asleep. It means you're more likely to wake up in those early hours of the morning. So anything that you can do to switch off that stress response will be really helpful for sleep. So that last hour and a half of the day, the the reason that people talk about winding down and giving yourself a chance to switch off so that we let the natural process of cortisol just kind of fading away, Mm -hmm. letting melatonin in to do its work. Yeah. And then if you do wake up during the night, just kind of going, oh, this must be a gap between sleep cycles. This is not a problem. This is not something to worry about. I'm just going to roll over and go back to sleep. And I know I'm making it sound very simple, but the less you worry about it, yeah. let sleep take over, that, that's what will happen. Okay. So Sophie, what's the deal with napping? Our circadian rhythms follow an interesting pattern and we generally get more alert in the morning, but there does tend to be this circadian lull after lunch, this Mm. natural dip in our alertness. And people often think, oh, that's because I ate too much at lunch. Actually, it seems to be that it's something inherent within us. Maybe it comes from when humans lived in a very uh, hot environment and actually that after lunch time was a natural time for a siesta, come out of the heat, have a little restorative sleep particularly if you've woken up really early in the morning so having a nap after lunch doesn't seem certainly culturally those cultures that have a siesta tend to have pretty pretty good health in general I love those cultures I wish we did it here in the UK (laughs) massively envious of Spanish siestas definitely like siesta seems to be on the way out you know people are squeezing productivity but actually naps seem to be quite productive even a 15 to 20 minute nap can be enough to improve your mood to consolidate some memory maybe refresh your brain for a bit more learning so a short nap's probably not going to do too much harm but it does depend what time of day. So that circadian lull is a good spot. But if you push it too late in the evening, and I'm thinking of all the parents who will probably know, you know, they put their kids to bed and they just have a little lie down on the pillow next to them before they know it, you know, 30, 40 minutes later. And unfortunately, what happens is that you use up this sleep pressure which is built up during the day so mm. it's not just your circadian rhythm that controls when you sleep there's also this sleep pressure and the more hours you've been awake the more you build up sleep pressure 
So this is really helpful to know because if you really haven't been sleeping well, one of the things that you can do is actually push your bedtime back a little bit to increase your sleep pressure, make yourself really tired. And I'm talking kind of half an hour to an hour. And then you might find that you're better at sleeping through the night. Whereas having that nap at seven, eight, nine o'clock at night, when you're going to bed at 10 or 11, that eases the sleep pressure and it becomes much harder to fall asleep. I've never heard of sleep pressure. I didn't know that that was a thing. You want to know more about sleep pressure, just because it's a lovely word, adenosine. Adenosine is the uh, sort of neurotransmitter which is responsible for sleep pressure. So the more energy we expend, the more we produce this adenosine as a sort of byproduct, and it hangs around in the brain and makes us feel drowsy. Uh-huh. So when you sleep, you kind of pay back that adenosine. But, oh, okay, I'll test, test your knowledge here, Lisa. So uh, there is a drug that you can use to block the effects of adenosine and fool the brain into thinking that you are not tired. Uh, it must be caffeine. It must indeed be caffeine. Yes, yeah, so yeah. that's how caffeine works. Yeah. It basically, it just builds a little wall um, by the adenosine receptors in the brain and it fools the brain into thinking that you're not sleepy which is great if you're trying to temporarily increase your arousal levels. Uh, But then the caffeine degrades and you haven't done anything to the adenosine. The adenosine has still been building up in the background. And so then you can get hit by this wall, this kind of wash of the caffeine crash, which has been building up uh, in the background. And this is why too much caffeine, too close to bedtime can interfere with sleep because it masks the effects of sleep pressure and you don't yeah. realise how sleepy you are. And actually that natural sleep pressure is really important because it tells us when we need to sleep. So I I usually give the advice, I am a huge coffee drinker, by the way, I love coffee, but I have switched from caffeinated to decaffeinated, partly because the more caffeine that you drink, the less impact it has. So by drinking it less frequently, I know that it's going to have an impact when I need it. So I've got a long journey or I particularly need to be alert for some reason, then I'll use caffeine, but I'll think quite carefully about when I use it and how. But do you have one every day in the morning? Oh, I have have, uh, coffee every day, but I default to decaf. So at home, I just have decaf. And then if I'm going out, sometimes I'll have a little pick-me-up, little espresso martini, oh. off you go. <laughs> that is like the total anti-sleep product. <laughs> Which is good sometimes. Back in the day when we used to go out, we wanted to go dancing, we'd have an espresso martini and then wonder why I got home and I was like, ping, totally alert for, for what seemed like days. Um <laughs> Some people in uh, I know some Turkish people I know I know Italian people they drink coffee after dinner and they're like oh no I sleep like a baby and I'm like how is that possible? Well, they may be right they may be wrong so massive variation in your yeah. natural uh, ability to metabolize caffeine we know right. we even know the names of the genes you know um, and so if you come from a family that metabolizes caffeine very rapidly then mm. you might well be able to have coffee after dinner and not have an effect but I've worked with a lot of people who think they're in that bracket and they say caffeine doesn't affect them but actually when they cut it out two or three weeks later they start to say oh my gosh I have so much more energy because what what happens again caffeine is a drug you get dependent you get hooked on it and that means that say at 10 30 in the morning if you're used to having several cups of coffee and you haven't had one for whatever reason 
you feel extra groggy. You know, right. you really feel like those deprivation effects. And then you need your coffee just to get back onto that kind of baseline level of alertness. Whereas if you're not a dependent coffee drinker, you'll be at that level anyway. You'll be at that high level of alertness. Okay. So we don't want to be dependent on caffeine. Yeah, no, of course. Um, let's talk men versus women when it comes to sleeping and who who are the better sleepers? Oh, it depends how you measure it. Now, if you <laughs> ask them, unfortunately, like girls get a bit of a bad rap. They um, they seem to struggle more with sleep. So statistically speaking, if you look at any big population, females are more likely to report poor sleep in a similar yeah. way that they are more likely to report anxiety or higher stress levels. We know that women are more vulnerable to reporting poor sleep. But interestingly, when you get people into the lab and you test men versus women, it actually looks possibly as though men have slightly worse quality sleep. But I don't really? know whether I don't know whether to trust those studies because if you think some of the things that disrupt women's sleep, what are they? Well, they're kids. I mean, hormones as well. Hormones in children, definitely. But also partners. Yes. Actually, if you sleep with a snoring partner, for example, that's hugely disruptive. <laughs> moving partner yeah. can be very disruptive to sleep so some of the reasons that women don't sleep so well are potentially because of environmental factors but also intrinsic those hormonal factors yeah. we know that at times of your life when your hormones are massively fluctuating and that's i'm thinking uh, puberty, yeah, puberty pregnancy and around menopause unfortunately all of those times are associated with more disrupted sleep Tara, what about phones in the bedroom? My professor of breast surgery that I know said, if you even look at your phone for a split second in the middle of the night to check the time, you're increasing your cancer risk. <gasps> so that's the impact on hormones because that blue light has an impact on your melatonin. And melatonin and cortisol and estrogen and testosterone, they're kind of in the same family of hormones. So this is the reason that female nurses and female air stewards get more breast cancer than other women because really? they disrupt their yeah because they disrupt their sleep cycle and all those steroid hormones are connected to each other oh my god it's quite it's quite scary i yeah. i mean i've see i'm gonna have to play this to george because um i've started having my phone in the other room like leaving it mm. not anywhere near that i know you're looking at me like of course that's a no-brainer but actually so many people use it and i used it for my alarm and it wasn't mm. like i used to look at the phone in the middle of the night but i definitely yeah. had it close to the bed in order to wake me up and so yeah we had both of our phones in the bedroom that just just hideous all that mm. energy coming off the phone and then mm. yes yeah, sometimes I he'll look at it or maybe he'll forget to turn it off so there'll be like a buzzing or a vibration oh, or I something hate, <laughs> hate it I just want to like literally throw out the window yeah but, um I just want him not to have it in the room you know Sophie George falls asleep literally when his head hits the pillow and he insists on having the radio on for 30 minutes so he can just switch off and wind down which drives me mental by the way sorry i just swore and it and i don't understand it because he literally he doesn't listen to it because as soon as his head hits the pillow he is gone and so then i'm lying there and i can hear him falling he's fallen asleep and then i can hear the radio and i'm just going don't get stressed don't get stressed let's try and go to sleep and then i can hear the dude 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 it's 10 o'clock or dude dude it's 11 o'clock and i'm like oh god i'm slow awake it's slow awake and it's that panic but so how can he just switch off like that 
Oh, that's a really good example of what we call probably conditioned arousal and or conditioned sleep. So our brains are really good at making connections between things. Mm. So, um, you've probably heard the advice that you should protect your bed for sleep and sex and nothing else. Yes, or in George's case, also listening to the radio. <laughs> the reason that we we give that advice is because we want your brain to have this really positive association with your bed. We want the moment that you walk into your bedroom, you're going, Ugh, and you're either thinking amorous thoughts or you're thinking sleep thoughts. Mm-hmm. But if you use your bed for other things, you know, if you're used to lying there for hours awake at night, struggling to fall asleep, then your brain forms a different association. And that's what we call conditioned arousal. So people who've struggled with sleep for a long time, often even just walking into their bedroom, their heart starts beating a little bit faster. They start to feel anxious. And potentially the radio here is performing two different functions. So for George, that is the cue that he associates with sleep. He's like, right, I always put the radio on. That's my cue. That's going to help me fall asleep. Yeah, it's not music radio either. It's like, you know, Radio 4 or something like that. So it's really, it's adult, sensible radio. Like like white noise. I'm sure he's yeah. not listening to the content. It's more that almost an emotional connection that mm. he's like, right, okay, the radio's on and I'm ready. I'm mm. on sleep. Whereas <laughs> for you, it's performing the reverse function that you're like, oh, okay, radio comes on, George falls asleep and I stay awake. Yeah. And you've got a different pattern of association. So I would encourage you to challenge that pattern you know switch switch the radio off read a book for a while but you know sorry George I do I pad once he's asleep I sometimes pad around and just turn it off the other thing is um he may be slightly sleep deprived I have to say those people who Mm. fall asleep within five minutes of the head hitting the pillow that's usually a sign that they benefit from a bit more sleep I think so too I honestly do I've I've read that before and and that makes absolute sense to me because then you are just absolutely knackered and you just don't straight away I keep him awake sometimes because I talk and I giggle and I build construction so I get my pillows and there's like a I literally am such a while I'm asleep while you're asleep while I'm asleep giggling laughing talking building oh fun you must be in bed and I mean that in the nicest possible (laughs) way Does that mean I'm in a good sleep? Or, I mean, I'm obviously oblivious to keeping him awake, but I'm having the best time. So sleep talking, I've no idea actually about sleep construction of pillow fort, but sleep talking is one of what we call the the parasomnias. So parasomnias are when you're there's some kind of disruption in this transition between sleep stages so I think a helpful way to think about it is part of your brain is in deep sleep now that means that you're not consciously aware of what you're doing but part of your brain has moved on either into another sleep stage or actually into wakefulness so a small part of your brain is actually awake you know you are able to to laugh to giggle unfortunately those rational conscious bits that remember things are not awake so it can be so confusing you know if you've got somebody who sleepwalks or sleep talks and you're kind of listening to what they're saying and wow what is what is this is this important probably not it's probably not important it's not rational thoughts it tends to be things that um are either very automatic or that you've you know you've repeating things you've heard that day um i 
did come across some ladies who shopped while they slept and <laughs> that might just be that they did a lot of online shopping during the day and this was just an automatic behavior that they were able to repeat but what do you mean they weren't actually shop- sorry they were dreaming that they were shopping or they had their phone and they next to the bed and yeah. they were capable of uh, opening <gasps> opening up the laptop oh. and uh, and ordering stuff Sleep shopping, so that is an actual thing. That's an actual thing. Oh my god, that's dangerous. Fortunately, quite unusual. Um, but in order to solve this, I yeah. think it's often a case of just going back to basics. So the reason that part of your brain is hanging on to deep sleep and the other part is maybe awake is probably because you're a bit sleep deprived. Okay, and it's often under stress. And so it comes back to, okay, well, let's give your brain the amount of deep sleep that it needs so that it doesn't need to kind of hang on when when part of you wants to be awake. So generally speaking, it is about helping you relax in that last sort of hour or so before you go to bed and just routine sleep patterns and all the other things that we've talked about. I wanted to ask you what lifts you, like what is your kind of surefire way to get lifted? So to lift your mood and to make you feel fantastic. I have to say, obviously, a good night's sleep. But <laughs> for me, it's getting outdoors. And it's usually being active outdoors, if I'm honest. You know, yeah. paddleboarding, running, walking, having a picnic, ideally with other people. But there is something very powerful about natural light. It is the thing which helps us reset our body clocks. It has impacts on our health, our immune function and our mood. So if you are feeling a bit low and you can get outside, do it. And if you can't get outside, at least sit by the window because even sitting by the window can actually improve the quality of your sleep and also your alertness during the day. So um, I'm going with light. Going with light, natural light, being out in nature. I love it. Thank you, Sophie. It's been amazing talking to you. You are fabulous. Sleep scientist extraordinaire. Jane, can I ask you, how do you get lifted? If I don't feel good, I pretend I am feeling good physically. When I lift the heart, the centre of the chest, so stick your chest up. You can't. It's very hard to be depressed if you have your, your chest pushed right up. And everything should be over the top. The arms are lifted right up to the sky, palms right up. Lift up the chin. And then I always do a big, cheesy, fake smile and I show my teeth, like a grimace almost. Exactly. So you're laughing already. Now try feeling like a loser when you're in this open. Keep the heart lifted. You can't even make. You can't even frown when you're in this. It's impossible, right? (laughs) Ah, what a great chat. What amazing advice and how incredible were those three women, Dr. Sophie Bostock, Jane Ellis and Dr. Tara Swart. Thank you for being guests on this episode of Get Lifted. Um, And I think there's so much take home and so many little tips and tricks that we can add into our day and into our evenings, the rituals, the breathing. And I think what Sophie said at the beginning of the episode was really crucial, that do not panic, that we are incredible as human beings, our brains, our bodies, and we will compensate. So if we don't sleep, we will be able to 
to still function. We just have to have more faith and just to know that we will get sleep eventually. Um, So thank you once again, ladies. You were fantastic. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Sleep is so crucial to me. I had to do a whole episode on sleep. I'd love you to follow Get Lifted. I'd love you to spread the word. You can get onto the website, which is getliftedpodcast.com and send me a message. I would love to hear from you. Feedback, questions, anything. I'm also on social media, Lisa underscore Snowden. That's Instagram and Twitter. I'm going to put all the information in the show notes of our guests today, their websites and where you'll be able to find them. I wanted to talk to you about this amazing song. Now let's just take a moment to just blast this track in the background, which just gives me life. feel so blessed that I've got this wicked track on the podcast series it's called The Love by Natural Symphony the guy behind the project is Joe Joe makes this music with the power of plants I know so he hooks up the plants with microphones and then he meditates and the plants kind of do their own thing with the power of the meditation and the energy and this is the sound that they make it is unbelievable please download this track because every download that we can get we can replant trees in the amazon i know so thank you so much for listening please get downloading the love let's try and plant as many trees as we possibly can and also get lifted everybody together i'll be back next week for another episode i truly appreciate you listening see you really soon sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.